What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. All right. Song of Songs, chapter six. We finally made it after chapter five, after parking there for like eight months. So, um, so here we go. It, it, it says this, and, and this is others that are talking. So just as a way of reminder, we have three different people in this, in this uh, book here. We have others which represent the church and maybe kind of nominal believers, maybe uh, believers that are kind of like uh, just church attenders where they just kind of come on Sunday, maybe, maybe Christmas and Easter type of people. I don't know, but, but they just don't seem to get who he is. And how great he is. It's kind of like they're on the outside looking in. But then you have the bride. And this bride, uh, she represents us as the bride of Christ, right? We are the bride of Christ, Christ collectively, but also individually. And so the, 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 she is the bride. And then the groom, that is Jesus. That is Jesus. And so we've already talked about that that's not Solomon. We need to see this as Jesus. And so he's going to be speaking over her. And, and, and so, man, we need to receive what has been said. So the others, the others. It says, where has your beloved gone? Notice they're like your beloved. Oh, most beautiful. And by the way, that's number 11. I had you right on top, right? How many times is the word beautiful said about this woman? This is the 11th time in this book. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I'm not going to keep doing it, but listen. Overwhelming affirmation so that he's been declaring that over that. But guess what? The church body is now seeing her as what? As beautiful. There's been a change. There's been a, a transformation. And so where has your beloved gone? Oh, most beautiful among women. Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? And so you see here, she says your beloved twice. See, this relationship about Jesus is not just some religious statement. Oh, your religion. No, no, no. They know that there is a depth of relationship about him because of how she talks about Jesus. He's my beloved. He's my beloved. And how many of us have a just religious kind of answers? That's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we just say that. No, no. I am so in love with him. He is my beloved. And so I want you to go back to Song of Songs 5-9. And I want you to look at what these women are asking again. They're like, what is your beloved more than any other beloved? What makes him so special, right? Oh, most beautiful among women. What is your beloved more than any other beloved that that you adjure us, that, that you keep speaking about him. What is so special? And so 
This is why we spend a lot of time on it, because she takes verses, uh, chapter, chapter 5, verse 10, all the way to, to 6, and she speaks about him. And she speaks about him in such a way that, that look at verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, or excuse me, chapter 6, verse 1. It says that we may seek him with you. Her description of who Jesus is has caused these immature believers to say, wow, how can we seek him with you? We are beginning to see him. And so, church, think about this. I have some questions here for you. You know, when someone asks you about Jesus, what's your, what's your answer? What's your answer? Is it, a, is it just kind of like, oh, is my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I mean, is that it? Now, that is it, by the way. But do you go on? Are you extra? Are they saying, hey, bro, calm it down? Are they saying that dude's a Jesus freak? Don't ask him about Jesus. He'll keep going on and on and on and on. Now, you don't want to be too much light and too much salt, right? But you want to have some salt in your game. What would the description be of your beloved that would make others want to seek him? You know, for me, man, he has just been so faithful to me. I have rejected his leadership and I have rejected his lordship time and time Again, can I get a witness? Whoever's not witnessing is not following. Because when you start following, you realize how much you love yourself more than him. But he's been faithful despite my rejection, despite I've denied him more times than Peter. He is just faithful. He cannot be but faithful because that is who my beloved is. He never leaves me or forsakes me. He's always with me no matter what. And as I was sitting here thinking about this, I was reminded of my early days in Christ where I used to take this drug. um, They called it scoops back in the day. I was like 25 years ago. I don't know what they call it now or if it's even around. But anyway, I, I was taking drugs on my back patio outside and I passed out and I fell asleep and I was just, I just came back to Christ and I was influenced because bad company corrupts good morals, right? You hang out with fools, you'll become like them, right? And so I was, I, I was still working through my fear of man. I know nobody can relate. And so we were partying, and hey, bro, you want some of this? So, oh, yeah, I guess I'll take some of this because I'm trying to fit in, right? I, 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 I was operating out of a fear of man, but I passed out, and I woke up like four hours later, and my back was just on fire. I woke up outside, sitting at the table. My back was on fire, and I had my shirt off, by the way, too, so uh, anyway, when I fell asleep. So I go into the bathroom, and I'll never forget it. Why is my back so itchy? And I turned around in the mirror like this, 
and there's this huge stripe down my, down my back. And then I put my arms out like this, and I had mosquito bites in a perfect line of the cross. And I'll never forget that. I spit in the face of Christ that night. I denied him. I gave in to peer pressure, and I gave in to my own flesh. Listen, Scripture says you're drawn away by your own desires. Don't blame anybody for what you're doing. I chose that. I chose that. But in my drunkenness, in my passing out of drugs, I turned around, and I saw the perfect. There was no mosquito bite outside of the cross. It was just... It was like some computer print on my back. (laughs) He is my beloved, and he is faithful. He is so good. He is so forgiving. His words are sweeter than than honey, and they have proven to be true time and time again. Look, it's not that I just kind of memorize Matthew 6.33, that if you seek the kingdom first and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. No, 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 no. Years ago, I stepped out on that and said, okay, God, I'm all in for your kingdom. And as I look back 20-something years later, I find out that, yeah, money follows as I seek the kingdom first. This is not just a verse that I put up on my wall. This is a lifestyle because his words have proven true. He cannot lie. He's not like man. mean to tell me today I could quit my job, step out in faith, and God will provide, and you don't have to worry about money? Yeah, that's what he says in Matthew 6. Have you tried it? It's so much fun. Now, listen, You better be sure that's what he's calling you to. (laughs) His words are true time and time again. And when we become people like Psalm 45.5, it says meditate on the glorious splendor of his majesty and on his glorious works. As we as we remember and are reminded of what he's done in our life, man, we, 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 we just become so in love with him and, our, and how we talk about him just hits different. It's off of just religious words and right answers. I want you to turn to John 3, please. Keep your place in, in uh, Song of Songs. We're always going to come back to Song of Songs, chapter 6, wherever we go. And look, we're going to read about this guy that says, Jesus says about him, there is no greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist. That, like, that's a pretty big compliment, right? No greater man born of a woman? What did that mean? That meant Moses. 
So he, yeah, Johnny B had it going on. And John the Baptist said, hey, I'm not worthy to untie what? His sandals. See, that's why I'm wearing sandals today. Biblical. Song of Songs, chapter 7, her sandals. Help me to focus, God. So John 3, 26. This is John the Baptist talking. And Jesus is now on the scene. And people, like, if you read about John the Baptist, all of Judah and, and Jerusalem, everybody was going out because John the Baptist was just preaching, man, repent, repent, repent. And people were coming. Everybody was coming to him. Like, he was the, the big show in town, right? And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and everybody's like, hey, bro, Bow Down used to be a good church, but this other church down the street, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, people, right? And, and, and so there's this thing of, like, how, how does he respond? How does he respond? 326, they came to John. They said, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness. Look, 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 he's baptizing, and all are going to him. Everybody who's in ministry, listen, is there a rejoicing in your heart when other ministries are successful and people are falling in love with Jesus? Pray for me. I'm not there yet, right? I still get jealous. feel so judged by you guys right now. You're looking at me. <laughs> 27. Look at the humility here. A person can't receive one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. This is what we need to understand in ministry. Like if, if, if. Healing signs and wonders are happening. It's not because of you, dude. If people are getting saved, look, uh, I love this quote by Bill Fay. He's like, I've, he's led thousands of people to Christ, but listen to, what, listen to his thing. He's like, I've never led anyone to Christ. I've just been around when the Holy Spirit has. And so do we move like that? Because the reality is, if I... If I said, if I said, hey, raise your hand if you went to this church, this church, or talk about different local churches in the area, right? Pretty much, there's a lot of transfer growth that happens in Palm Beach County, <laughs> where we're like, I like this flock, I like this flock, I like this flock, I like this, oh, right? And there's a lot of movement, right? And so, man. John the Baptist, is, he understands, man, people, people are going to come and go. But the people that God brings me, that's who I want to be faithful to. It's not, we're not, not competing programs here. And that's, this is why Peter says in 1 uh, Peter chapter 5, he says to the elders, he says, shepherd the flock that is among you. 
understand those who are here, they're here because of the Lord, and we want to shepherd this flock here and not worry about where other people are going anyway. I'm preaching to myself right now. Verse 27, let's keep going, right? You can't receive one thing unless it's given to given. Uh, him from heaven. Verse 28, you yourselves bear witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I have, been, I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. You might want to highlight that. We are the bride and the bridegroom has us. That is why she said, I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. Like the bridegroom, Jesus has us. It's a powerful statement. A friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. And this is a a big passage here. He must increase and I must decrease. So many times in the church, I hear people quote this backwards. I must decrease and he must increase. No, there is a specific order here to Scripture. Every word is God-breathed, and every word is in order. You will never decrease enough on your own. He has to increase, and as he increases, as the love of your life, as you're all in all, you will by default decrease. And this is why we're speaking about, this whole book is about, I want to fall in love with Jesus as his bride. I want to be completely convinced that he delights in me, that he is overwhelmed with me, how he feels about me. And not only that, I want to love him so much that I forget about myself. He must increase, but I must decrease. Listen, we're all called to do ministry here. Every single one of you. And all ministry is, is is John 3.30. We point people to Jesus. We can't save. He can save. He has to increase in your life. We just move people. Ministry is just pointing people to Christ. He's the Savior. We've got to be very careful where we're not drawing people to us. It's always pointing back to him. Look at what he has done. Look at how great he is. Look at what he did in a wretch like me. I have sought him with my whole heart and I have found him, not because I had the capability to seek him with my whole heart. No, his grace gave me the, the, the ability to seek him. And because I sought him, I found him because he cannot lie. He's faithful. I've never met anyone who sought the Lord with their whole heart and have regretted it. But I feel, I do, I do meet people that are halfway with Jesus and they regret a lot. Back to Song of Songs, verse 2. Again, ministry is pointing people to Jesus. He must increase, and by default, I will decrease. 
We're saved by grace, not by works. Verse 2, my beloved has gone down to his garden. I want you to highlight his garden. To the beds of spices. To graze. Another translation says to feast in the garden and to gather his lilies. To gather lilies. So in this book, garden is mentioned nine times. Nine times. The first three references are to her garden, but the last six references are to his garden, and so she's beginning to mature to see everything as his. It's his garden. And not only that, go back to Song of Songs 1, verse 8. She knows where he is. He's in his garden. How does she know that? She's asking where to find him, and he says, If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, follow the tracks of the flock. Stay in the church. Church history is important. Why? Because that's the track, the tracks of the flock. We can learn from that. Pasture your young goats beside the the shepherd's tents. Church leaders are called watchmen, but also called shepherds. And Jesus is speaking to her in chapter 1. You want to know where to find me? You can find me in the church. This is where I gather. This is where I graze. This is where I bring my lilies together. When Jesus comes back in Revelation and he reveals himself, it's amazing to me that what is on his heart, first and foremost, is the seven churches. He doesn't come to individuals. He comes to the seven churches because the church is his bride. The church is his garden, and that is where he is. He is the head of the church, and we, we, we are his body. Jesus is found among his people. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is actively building his church. This is why I caution people. Be careful how you speak about the church. If I if for me, if I ever hear anyone run down another local church, I will rebuke you. In Jesus' name. Do not do that here. See, I want to I use the shepherd's staff. But trust me, I will take that rod out. Why? Because when we badmouth other flocks, and we say things, and we attack their motives, man, Romans 14... Who are you to judge another man's servant? That is the bride of Christ. And when we speak about the bride, listen, it could cause people to say, yeah, yeah, you know what? The church is. I'm just not going. We don't need the church. It's a very, very dangerous thing. And I've trafficked in that in the past. I don't want to do that anymore. So you can hit me with a rod too, okay? 
Matthew chapter 12 says this, verse 30, and it's Jesus talking. He says, he, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. So Jesus is always gathering people. Be careful about how you talk because you don't want to scatter the sheep. You don't want to scatter the flock. You want to be someone that gathers, that brings in. Not only is he gathering, but he's, he's also working in his garden. John 15, 1 my father is the what? The gardener, the vine dresser, depending on your translation. Sorry, because there's multiple answers depending on what you're reading right now. He's working in the garden. He's always working. Jesus said, my father is always working. He never stops working. And then Jesus reminds us in Luke 12, 27, just listen to this. Consider the lilies. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon on all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? What peace and what rest comes to those who know that our king is in his garden and he is gathering and he is grazing and he is pruning and he is working. He is so focused on you. He's so focused on your life. He's so focused in the church. It's why in Ephesians 5, 26, it says that Jesus is sanctifying the bride of Christ. He is cleansing her by the washing of the water of the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish, holy and without fault. Fault. That is what Jesus is doing right now as he is in our midst as the head of this local body. He's gathering. He's grazing. He's feasting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have things that he desires in you to gather, to graze on. If he's worked such beauty in the lily. How much more will he work his beauty in you throughout the universe and all that he's created, the sun, the moon, the stars, the flowers? They are su su completely surrendered to God and God works in them as he pleases. And even back to chapter six of Song of Songs, we see here in six one, he says, oh, most beautiful among women in six thirteen. Because he's worked his beauty in her and she's become beautiful and radiant without blemish, without splendor. What are they saying about her in 613? We want to look at you. We want to look at you. You are glorious. You are radiant. Disciple, is your life becoming like that? Are you allowing Jesus to gather what he wants and, and graze and feed upon? Are, are, you, are you someone that's allowing him to do his work in your life? To prune, to, to strengthen, to, to plant. Are you open to that? 
Are you at the place where you say, yes, Jesus, I am your garden. Plant what you like. Do as you please. And if it's a pruning season, help me to know that so that I don't complain or whine. But I take the cutting because I know it's for my growth. And if it's a fruitful season, Jesus, a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. John 3, 27. I know that I didn't produce the fruit. It was you having your way in me and help me to continue to get out of the way so that you alone get the glory for what is being produced in my life. This is the cry of a disciple, the heart of a disciple, that he would increase, he would increase, he would increase. And, 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 and I would play the background. He's the main character. He's the main theme. He is the plot. I'm just a stagehand. That's all I am. He is all. God, help me, help me, help us to never take the shine away from Jesus. Help us to fulfill Matthew 5, 16, where it says, oh, God, may we do your works in such a way that it glorifies you. No glory to us. And you desire no flesh glory in your presence, God. Help us, God. We repent of taking any shine. We repent of taking any glory, God. Verse 3. Song of Song 6. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He grazes among the lilies. This, to me, is one of the most powerful statements in the book. I am my beloved's, and my beloved's is mine. She has fully given herself to him. I want you to turn to, keep your place here, turn to Romans 8, please. He has given me all of himself. Christ died for me. Christ died for you. He gave it all to what? To have you. Not to do a transaction so you can go to heaven when you die. He died for you because he wants all of you, because you are his bride. He wants a bride. He doesn't want a business partner that did transactions. He wants a covenant, not a contract. Romans 8.31. It was good. It wasn't me. 8.31. But thank you. I, I receive. It means I'm getting out of the way. 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is what? For us. Who can be against us? And here's verse 32. Here's, this is big. He who did not spare his own son. Think about that. The only begotten. I will pay the bride price of the greatest thing in the world. My only son. To have you, Randy. 
to have you, Dave. If he didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? You mean there's more? Yeah, there's more. You get it all. Listen how the the New Living Translation or the New Light Translation puts it. That's a joke. I'm not hating. 32. It says, he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? In poker, you go all in, right? But in Christianity, we don't go all in. You know why? Because we don't, we, we, we don't believe. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. If the one who gave all of himself to us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man. It's got to move from a place where it's just a transaction. You see, immature love says, man, because of the cross, I, I get this. And because of the cross, I get this and I get this. Now, there's an aspect, Psalm 103, right? Think about his benefits. So there's a part of that 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 is good. We want to meditate on the benefits of God. But when does it move to the place, bride of Christ, where it's all about what he gives you? You know when you got a good marriage, it's because, see, when I was single, I had a long list of 13 things that I wanted on my bride. Oh, she got to have that, she got to have that, she got to have that, check, 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 check. And the Queen Colleen came through and checked them all off. You're the one. But think about that for a second. How selfish is that? What does she bring to me? Poo! And here's how immature I was. Even though I thought I was something in a bag of chips. But anyway, I didn't have a list of saying, hey, here's what I want to give to her. And as our love over 20 years has grown and matured, she gets it all. Look, I just had a birthday. I turned 51. Some of you missed it. It's okay. It's grace. There's grace. But I got some checks from family members. Where do you think those checks went? There you go. It's all yours, baby. Uh, Sometimes I'll go speak somewhere, like at a, a school or something, give me a little honorarium. Where do you think that goes? It's all hers. This, this, this marriage is not about me anymore. My job is to die. To die. It's not what she's doing or not doing. That doesn't matter to me anymore. Why? Because there's a maturing of love. It's me getting on the cross because that's what it says. Men, men, men. And some of you are like, you're always so hard on the men. Ladies, listen, you got to do the same thing too. You're a Christian. But if both parties are saying, how can I die for you, rather than, 
you're not doing this, and you're not doing this, and not doing it. What are you giving me? That's what that is. When we start to make lists of what someone's not doing, what we're saying is, you know, right, rather than what can I give. And so this is why love, right, in the church, now come back out of marriage, come back into the church, listen, and to those who are in Christ, listen, we become mature when, when it's not what we're going to get from Jesus all the time. It's the fact that I belong to him, all of me, everything that I have, and he belongs to me. I belong to him, he belongs to me. I'm all in for him, he's all in for me. I, 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 I need all of him, he needs and wants all of me. This is more than a contract about going to heaven when you die. No, 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 no. What can I give my king, right? The five fish and two loaves, or was it two fish and five loaves? I don't know, but the boy gave all he had. It wasn't much, and God used it to multiply it out, right? The little drummer boy, what can we bring, right? I don't got anything but a little drum. No, it's all yours. It's all yours. It's all yours. Are we living like that, or are we like the type of Christians that's like, oh, I tie for 10%. I do my part. I give my 10%. Think about that. Oh, it's your 10%. Oh, my bad. I thought thought this thing was, imagine if I did that to my wife. So listen, Colleen, I'm working two jobs. I'll give you 10%. The rest is mine. Yeah, it's not going to go too well, is it? I'll be sleeping 10% of the time on your couch. (laughs) Not really, because she's mature. She'd be like, it's not about me. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Now, listen, I know there's marriages here that are in trouble, and I'm not trying to make light of the situation. I'm just speaking to you about marriage because, 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 We've got to view our relationship with Christ as a covenant marriage where we get to the place and we say, it's all yours, Jesus, all of it, all of it. Can you get to the place where you live off 10% and give away 90? You know, people have done that. The guy that owned J.C. Penney's did that. And God kept blessing him. But I'm not speaking to anybody today, okay? The rich young ruler, that was that guy. That's not anybody here today. Chris, I brought somebody. I told him, you don't talk about money. And you're like talking about money. And Jesus talked about money a lot. Why? Because that's the idol in America, and if I'm, I'm at fault as a pastor, I don't talk about that as much as I should. I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. There's a depth to that. It's, it's not a contract. Verse 4, Song of Songs, chapter 6, it says, You are beautiful as Terza. Terza means pleasant or favorable. Pleasant or favorable. My love. Look at how he speaks to her. My love. That's ownership. That's intimacy. Lovely as Jerusalem. 
awesome as an army with banners. Now, we're not going to hit on army with banners because that's towards the end of chapter 6, and so we'll go deeper on that when we get there, if we get there today. If not, you have to come back next week, and we have services at 9 and 11 next week, okay? So what is, what's up with these two cities, right? Well, as beautiful as Terza means, means this, uh, again, pleasant, favorable, or beautiful, it, 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 it had a natural, remarkable beauty, and after Solomon died, there was a civil war in Israel, and Jeroboam, the, the king of the northern kingdom, chose Terza as his capital city because it was the most beautiful city in the north. Lovely as Jerusalem, the second city mentioned. Second Chronicles 6, 6 says this, I have chosen Jerusalem that by name may be there. My name may be there. I put my name, right? Colleen, her name is Colleen Tress. I put my name there. Joel 3, 16, it says, the Lord roars from Zion. Chris, I don't like it how you yell, yell so much. Joel 3, 16, it's a good verse for you. The Lord roars from Zion. He utters his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth quake, but the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be my holy city, and strangers shall never pass through it again. Jeremiah 3.17, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Lord? Yeah, Lord. Meaning he is the king on the throne of your heart. And you have abdicated the throne. And here he is saying, you have an outward beauty like Tirzah. But inwardly, you're as lovely as Jerusalem. The outside and the inside. And he is just affirming her beauty. He's affirming who she is. Verse 5. You might want to highlight this. Because this, you know what, I probably don't believe this. Now, I know it's the word of God. I know it's true. But this is a hard one to believe, guys. So that's why you want to highlight that, because you want to continue to press into that until you believe it. It says, turn away your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Do you believe you can overwhelm God? Forget about the hair like a flock of goats, okay? Focus in on turn your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Do you believe that you can overwhelm God this morning? Man. What if, what if we approach Sunday morning worship with not just singing songs, but that our heart motive is to overwhelm the heart of God? 
So he's like, that church there, woo, Jesus, look, you see them? I can't even look at them right now. That's a bad mamma jamma right there. Just turn your eyes away from me. You overwhelm me. I want you to, to turn to Matthew 26, please. Matthew 26. And we're going to see this woman, this woman that, that, that comes and gives extravagant worship. Not lame worship, but extravagant worship. And my wife's like, Chris, you got to build up the 11 o'clock service because that's usually our least attended. By the way, we need a volunteers as well. So I was thinking today, okay, God, how can I manipulate people to come to 11 o'clock? What do you want me to say, you know? And he answered me. I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> right now. But, but I did have this thought. I, did, I didn't ask that question, by the way. That's a bad pastor. But a lot of times in America, and look, how do I know this? Because I've thought like this before God asked me to plant a church, okay? Guess what service I would go to? The 9 a.m. You know why? I get it out of the way. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Anyway, so if you don't know, now you know. So, so I, I want to get it out of the way so I can enjoy the rest of my day. I'm a poet and didn't know it. And honestly, I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but some of you roll like that. Maybe. Let me just submit to you. What if your mindset was, you know what, God? For the nine o'clock hour, I just want me and you in the room alone. And then it will prepare me to go to 11 and to sing with an extravagance and an adoration of you, my king. Prepare my heart to meet you. Prepare my heart to give you what you deserve. So many times we just kind of walk in late for the first couple songs because he's just, the real worship's at the end. And so I can talk to people in the hallway and stuff. Matthew 26, it says, now when Jesus was at Bethany, verse 6, in the house of Simon the leper, and by the way, you come to the 9 o'clock with no guilt, okay? I'm not trying to manipulate you, but I'm just throwing that out there. If you're like me, I want to get it out of the way so I can do what I want with the rest of my day. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. And she poured it on his head as he reclined on the table. And when the disciples saw it, oh gosh, save us, save us from the church folk, church folk. And when the disciples saw it, they were mad, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Now, 
I want you to keep your place here, and I want you to go to 1 John chapter 4, please. Last week, I said something about a religious spirit, and, it, and, and somebody came forward and asked me, what does that mean? And, and I really do appreciate you doing that. And then I went home, and I told my wife, and my wife's like, yeah, Chris, you throw things out, and peop- you think people know what you're talking about, but they don't know what you're talking about sometimes. You can't just throw out, if you've got a religious spirit, come forward. And I'm like, you know, honey, you are always right, and here you go again. <laughs> Just kidding, I argue back. <laughs> Not my problem, they should be in their word. No. <laughs> I didn't do that. I said, you're always right, Colleen. Here's just another one. So, 1 John 4, 1 John 4, 1. It says, Beloved. He's talking to the church, 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, hey, I love you. You are the bride. You are the bride of Christ. Listen, don't believe every spirit, small s. Not a capital S, small s. Why? But test the spirits, plural, to see whether or not they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so... When I said last week, hey, it's a religious spirit, sometimes it doesn't mean that somebody has a demon and they have a a quote-unquote religious spirit, but I'm I'm just saying that because it's kind of a religious thing to say. They're operating out of a religious spirit. But on the other side, sometimes it is a religious spirit, like a demonic religious spirit in the church. Well, which one were you talking about, Chris? I was talking about both. Sometimes we can just repent. I get my guy's wearing flip-flops in church. What's wrong with him? Jesus wore flip-flops. You just got exposed. Religious spirit. Quit hating on my flip-flops. Don't sneak in here and try to take away my freedom. I'm trying to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't wear closed-toe shoes. So you don't wear flip-flops next week, guess what? You're not walking in the spirit. That would be a religious spirit. Back at you. And we begin to judge one another, right? So religious spirit, but then also understand there's a religious demonic spirit. And what these guys were walking in when they said, oh, my gosh, look at how they wasted that money on Jesus. It could have been sold to the poor. Guess what that was? A religious spirit judging other believers on how they're spending the money and the things that God gave them. Romans 14 says this, do not judge another man's servant. And How many of us operate out of a religious spirit? Mindset is probably a better word than spirit. And we judge and we condemn. And we have this form of religion, but we deny the power. Because it's all about the outside and it's not about the inside. It's not about the motive of someone's heart. I remember when I was younger in my walk in Christ, I had doctrines. This was, let me just be honest with you. So I used to think, they used to call me rabbi, by the way. Why would they call me rabbi? Legalism. It wasn't a compliment. And I said to my my boys as a young single guy, bro, 
If somebody's driving a Lexus, they can't be a Christian. What do you think my wife was driving when I met her? Ah, that's funny, man. Now I made her sell it, but anyway. That's why she's amazing. She, she did. And, and, and listen, in my immaturity, in my arrogance, I'm judging other believers by, by, by what they're driving and, and what kind of house or what kind of clothes or what kind of, man, what's going on there, guys? That's that religious spirit. I'll never forget talking to a guy who gave us money to send about eight people to this really expensive camp. And I went to him and I said, hey, listen, the money you're spending on this really expensive camp could send 100 kids to this other camp. And he responded back to me and he says, I don't want to do that. I want to be extravagant. But that's not wise. That's not right. This alabaster jar. She wanted to do that for him. And the church was judging what she was doing. Let's go back to Matthew 26. Now, is there a place for wise stewardship? Is there a place for frugality? Of course. Of course. Again, greatest man born of a woman was Johnny B., John the Baptist, right? And what did he wear every day? Camel's hair. So if you want to be great, you go get some camel's hair. And not only that, only eat locusts and wild honey. Then you'll be doing it, bro. No more tacos. Locusts and wild honey. So we got to be careful of the religious spirit. Here's a question for you. If you're dealing with somebody who has a religious spirit, when they speak, do I feel convicted and drawn to Christ or do I feel condemned and stuck? Let me say that again. Do I feel convicted and drawn to Christ? Because that would be the Holy Spirit. But if it's a religious spirit, I feel condemned and stuck. See, ministry is pointing people to Jesus. When someone is, is, is in sin or falling short of what God's called them to do and be in Christ, right? My job is not to speak the truth in love to condemn them, but to speak the truth in a loving way so that, hey, this is who you are. This is what you're doing, but that's not who you are. This is who you are. That's how you speak the truth in love. Truth in love is not saying, hey, this is all the bad things that you're doing wrong. And leave a person there. That's not ministry. Speaking truth and love is, hey, this is what you're doing wrong, but this is who you are. And I'm here to walk with you so that you are going towards Jesus, so that you increase. And he, or excuse me, I got the backwards. So that he increases and you decrease. Because that's not who you are. Condemning or convicting. But... Jesus was aware of this, and he said to them, why do you trouble this woman? She's done something beautiful to me. You're always going to have poor, the poor with you, but you're not always going to have me. 
In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. See, they didn't understand the time. They were so focused on, on, on temporal things, they didn't understand the big picture of what was going on. In verse 13, this is amazing. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And that's happening in real time right now. Everywhere the gospel is gone, this woman's extravagant love, her extravagant worship has been told. Because she did something that cost her a lot. It was costly worship. This woman's worship overwhelmed Jesus. That day, I could imagine Jesus saying to her, pouring out that alabaster job, turn your eyes away from me because they overwhelm me. You overwhelm me. Psalm 16.3. It says that the saints in the land, all of my delight is in them. All of my delight, yeah, all of my delight is in them. And so, so man, can you just imagine that we overwhelm God, that he delights in us, that he says all of his delight is in us, his saints? Man, what an unbelievable statement. And this is why it makes sense for us, for the other verse that talks about delight, is that delight yourself in the what? Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart as I delight in him. I understand, man, he's delighting in me. And then my desires, they become him and what he wants and what he's going to bring. It's not, it's not what I'm going to get because I want him because he is my delight. Is your worship like that? Back to 6.5, please. It says, turn your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. I want you to go back one more chapter to Song of Songs 4-9. Remember this passage? You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You've captivated, captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one glance of your eyes, with one glance of your eyes. And here it is in chapter 6, he's saying, turn away your eyes from me because they overwhelm me. You, I am just so passionately in love with you, I just can't stand it. You've captivated my heart. Man. In chapter 1, what was she saying to him? Don't gaze at me. Don't gaze at me. How many of us, man, don't gaze at me. Don't gaze, don't gaze, don't gaze. You know, speaking of 51, I'm in the mirror this morning. And my eyes aren't working as they should. And I'm like, oh, man, I got some hair right here on my ears. And I had to do a little shaving of my ear. Some of the older dudes are like, bro, I feel you, man. But I ain't saying, I ain't saying nothing. Don't gaze at me. Now, don't come up for prayer and then just start looking at my ears, okay? Don't gaze at me. Jesus looks past whatever we were, we think we should be or not be. and says, you are fearfully 
and you are wonderfully made. You are created in my image and my likeness. There is no one that is like you. You are my poem. You are my masterpiece. You are my work of art. I am in love with you. I delight in you. I am so overwhelmed by you. You have captivated my heart. You are mine. You are my beloved. And your eyes, man, they overwhelm me. Your love is extravagant. And he's speaking these things over her. And she begins to believe it and receive it. And it changes her. Next week, we'll go into verse 6, Lord willing. where we'll talk about her teeth. But what about you today? Worship team, you can come forward. Prayer partners, if you could come forward. Would you say my worship is extravagant? Your alabaster jar. Some say that was a whole year's wage just poured out on Jesus. Some say it's as well as an inheritance that's passed down from the generations of years wage. And so it was very, very precious. Man, am I an extravagant? Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus, we thank you for the cross and we thank you for your blood and your broken body that was shed for us. It's because you wanted to marry us. And you gave all yourself to us. Teach us, God, and help us to give all of ourself to you. To abandon everything that we have, everything that we hold dear. May we just say it is all yours. It is all yours. Help us to live lives that are just laid down for you, Jesus. May we say like Paul, the love of Christ compels me. We want to receive your love in such a way that our love for you continues to increase and increase and increase. And you become our all in all. You become our vision so that it is really easy to deny ourselves because you are just so good. These are things that, that we can't do apart from you. So we humble ourselves now. And we ask as we sing to you that you would help us to sing with extravagance. We appropriate the blood of Christ over our own personal lives for our faults, our shortcomings, our apathy, our complacency, our lack of desire, our lack of passion. And we ask God by your grace that you would pour out your spirit in this place, that there would be a revival, that there would be a revival, that we would lay everything down at your feet that we would be lovers of you, Jesus, that we would love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I thank you, God, that you love us that way. Help us to love you now. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.